You're listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, a proud part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to SequelCast 2, a podcast looking at movies in a franchise one film at a time. I'm your host, Matt bradley Shergi, and we're wrapping up our look at the Lilo and Stitch quadrilogy with Leroy and Stitch, the fourth uh, direct-to-video movie, in the, or the fourth movie in the series, I guess, uh, with me as Thrasher. I'm wearing the wig. And Alex. Aloha means hello and goodbye. In this case, it means hello and goodbye. Yeah, you, you you hear the definition of aloha maybe 30 times in this picture. They they do it quite a lot. Uh, this is a you know, basically a finale to the TV show Lilo and Stitch, the series. And I guess before we go into Leroy and Stitch, um, what surprised me was I went back and tried to watch an episode of the TV show. And, and Thrasher, you're right. Like it's not that good. I saw some yeah. of the I saw some of the Kim Possible crossover episode. I did not know there was a Kim Possible crossover episode. I may have to go back and track that one down. Kim Possible is a quality show. Can we talk about this TV show? Because I yeah, got yeah. into the Leroy thing. And uh, I was like, okay, I've got a lot of blind spots here. Because I have no idea who a lot of these characters are. Or a lot of these. Like, yeah. it's uh, You can definitely tell that they were piggybacking off of a show. And they didn't care if anyone had watched it making this movie. <laughs> Well, I guess like like the whole the whole intro with all the main characters at being rewarded by the Galactic Council, uh, they, they might as well have started that scene as you may remember from the one hundred and twenty episode television series. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, then however like, many it was, it basically sounds like they like beat the Pokemon game. It's like you you know caught and tamed all hundred and sixty something you know creations. <laughs> it's it's such a I mean. Specifically to the TV series, is there an episode that you tried to watch, Alex, or did you have any thoughts about it? I only saw. I, I tried like, to, but I have uh, a I, I have my old man moment whenever I try to navigate anything on the on the Roku or Disney Plus. I, okay. I, uh, so I, I gave it I gave it a whirl, which isn't really saying much. Okay. And I did keep my promise. I did watch the episode that's the kids in the hall reunion. That would be uh, episode mm-hmm. called Fibber, season one, episode fourteen. Ah. Which, like a lot of episodes, is out of order on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, that and the wrong aspect ratio thing. Although I guess The Simpsons is finally going to have the option to toggle, what was it, seasons one through nine or whatever, to the correct aspect ratio. At the end of the month, so they say. Yeah, end of the month, good. so they say. And that, that announcement May of the year 2020. Yeah, I saw the announcement from Al Jean on Twitter. But uh, yeah, I mean, we had... God, I, I tried watching some of Goof Troop. That was in the wrong aspect ratio. It just oh, looks not just the Simpsons, huh? No, no, it's a lot. And like uh-huh. Thrasher's, a lot of stuff is listed out of order. One thing they fixed early on was the there's the 90s uh, show Spider-Man, the animated series. And um, that whole episode like surrounded around like five episode arcs. And those were radically out of order, which made it quite 
aggravating to to navigate. Uh, and they eventually fixed that, except they list the whole show under one season. Uh, the, the other thing that's weird on there, like the so there was Clone Wars that was the theatrical kind of cartoon movie that was before the TV series. And that's listed as like a special. It's not listed as a movie. It, it has a weird listing. So Disney Plus still has, I think, a lot to get in order. I think there is a lot of content there, certainly. Uh, yeah, they've got tons. I mean, it's Disney, so there you go. Um, and also, I, I think it's like since they acquired so much in such a short period of time, they didn't have the time to actually, you know, fix all the little glitches and so forth. But Right. Um, yeah, but this, uh, with the to the Stitch show, uh, I saw some of the Kim Possible crossover, and it's strange seeing the Kim Possible characters in their style in the, the Lilo and Stitch universe. So do they make a big deal about it, like they're crossing dimensions, or, or is, oh. is it just, oh, these are people who are on the same planet? Yeah, it has, uh, Pleakley is looking at, at magazines, and what, Stitch is like going through the woods, and all of a sudden the spaceship comes out of nowhere and captures Stitch. It's just a really random moment, and uh, Lilo's going to go get it by herself. But then uh, Fleekly looks through the magazine and says, "Oh, Kim Possible can do it," and he he sends her an email that you know the the world is at stake or something, and and, and she shows up with her friends. Please uh, tell me that that uh, Kim Possible teams up with Cobra Bubbles. I did not watch that. I didn't make it through that much of the episode. I but, hope so because like you've got a spy as part of yeah. your show. Like the spy yeah. and the spy from right. the other show should meet and do cool spy stuff together. Yeah, so I'm make- guessing this show wasn't that pop. Was the show that popular for the filmmakers to think that it would that like the viewership would rely on it so heavily to carry into the movie? Um, I, I mean, this was two seasons. You know, that's more than some other. Yeah, series okay, that's got. pretty good. Quite, quite a lot of these um, spinoff series based off uh, movies, you know, if they decided not to take them to series, they'd just be released as a direct-to-video sequel. That's what they did with the sequel to Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Um, Aladdin, for some, Aladdin, for some reason, is not on Disney+. Plus, but Weird. So, weird, weird gaps with those. Because Aladdin was on for a while, wasn't it? And there's a Little Mermaid show and all this stuff. Yeah, although I think they've I think they've got the complete Little Mermaid series. Um but but yeah, I don't because I, I don't know how popular this show was with kids. I, I do remember this show was pretty roundly despised by everyone at our college. And and I understand jaded college students uh, are not the ideal target demographic for this kind of show. But at the same time, knowing a lot of people who were in the animation department, like the general consensus was, well, I never want to work on a show like this. <laughs> Although realistically, if you had graduated and someone offered you a job working on a Disney, you know, series, wouldn't you take it? I mean, I guess it depends on what, in, on what capacity, because yeah. there's certain jobs I would be ideally suited for and certain jobs I would not be ideally suited for. Sure. It's one of those, uh, like, can you afford to say no things? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the, but you, you mentioned the beginning of this, Alex, and it feels like the beginning of this episode feels like what should be the last five minutes of an episode. Right. I, Everyone's I, getting again, an I award. They're all going to different places. Oh, and did you yeah, notice? Yeah, I checked the order. I was like, did I miss something? And of course, they have the show. Did you notice when they're on the hover platform going to the uh, being drawn to the councilwoman's podium, the song they sing is like one note off from the song that plays during the metal scene in Star Wars. <laughs> I thought that no, familiar. no, but that makes sense. 
That's pretty good. Uh, back, back, back when they couldn't license that song. <laughs> True. And Fred even they didn't digitally put it back in. Right. Even then, for a while, like uh, the music just for the original Star Wars film, like John Williams had some special copyright on that he didn't for the other ones. Uh, but under the under the company name Bantha Music or something like that. But with with Leroy and Stitch, I mean, this beginning is, you know, really kind of slow and ponderous. It's a bit like the beginning of Lilo and Stitch, really. But you see that all these characters are, they've, they've completed the mission of getting all the experiments and uh, they're all getting kind of their dream, what they think is their dream job. Yeah, Lilo becomes the official Earth ambassador to the Galactic Alliance, which at no point do they inform Earth about this. Um, <laughs> the uh, Pleakley gets a uh, tenured position as a professor of Earth studies at the Galactic Alliance Community College, which I love that it's a community college. Uh, I love that's like the distinction, too. Yep. Jumba gets the key back to his evil laboratory, and they flat out call it the evil laboratory. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, the aliens I, I have some weird of notions of morality, and then Stitch, for reasons that I, I I don't entirely understand, is given a commission as captain of the Galactic Alliance's new high tech battle cruiser, the Big Red Battleship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess he can was... skip rank straight to captain. I guess. <laughs> right, and that was another thing I was wondering. I was like, did he do a bunch of stuff in the show that would merit this? Because well, it just I, seemed kind of strange that they went from, you know, genetic mutation, experiment gone, derelict to captain of a ship. Yeah, also, how does that square with the aliens acknowledging Lilo having property rights to Stitch? <laughs> Which, the more I think <laughs> about it, gets the more, like, fucked up. Right. Because like, it, would, it would be one thing if the aliens had, like, a prime directive non-interference policy, but the aliens seem to be totally cool with beings owning other beings. Yeah, and definitely he's got a very, like, uh, he also has a very, um, like, you know, a very obedient crew and everything. <laughs> like, it seems like such a strange turn to go. Um, and I, I wondered, I was like, is this like a, like a, like, would this be like the equivalent of like a bounty hunter or something like that? Or is this like a rough and tumble kind of job? You need like a, like a, a, like a tough misfit for it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I would assume he would just be doing like patrols, but, uh. There, there are some gaps in the whole captain thing, which I will talk about when we get there in the story. But this this sets up to one of the, f the few things that I kind of like is this parting of the ways. And mm -hmm. I do like I do like seeing these characters getting these things they want and realizing that it's not necessarily what they want. Although it's weird how they kind of force it. Because Jamba does pretty well when he's back in his evil laboratory. Pleakley, I don't understand this because Pleakley, he's like a tenured professor of Earth Studies. But it's not a teaching position. He's apparently a professor that supervises other professors. But we don't even see him doing that. We just see him in an office. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't he? I guess I'd be like a uh, like a student consultant or something well, like well, that. that. Would, or it would not be a professor position. It would be an administrative position. Right. Yeah. And and it's especially weird with Pleakley because they spend so much time building things up in the beginning, or is like, oh, I can't wait to. You know, put all my stupid Earth facts to good use, <laughs> and and then they don't. I mean, but uh, I, I do agree with what you said, Thrasher. And at the beginning, there's a nice kind of melancholy sense of, you know, it's like the end of high school, the end of college, or the end of you know some big part of your life, or before you move or something, and you're saying goodbye. And well, I think I think that's that's what this movie should be about. 
is that mm. it should be about learning to let go and learning to let people flourish on their own terms. But it's ham it's 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 hamstrung in two ways. One is that Lilo, Lilo has already flourished as she starts as Earth's ambassador to the Galactic Federation. Like she has nowhere to grow to. But then two, everyone comes back to Earth at the end to continue being roommates with with Lilo and her sister, which just <laughs> It's it's such a reset at the end. It's like it, it is a movie that is against character development. Yeah, and I also feel like the I feel like the the beginning should have been another movie's ending. You know, like like oh, it's great that we resolved all these things and we you know have all this great stuff. But you know, your place is back where you came from. Yeah, this is nice, but you know, aloha or goodbye in this sense. And um, and yeah, you get that nice bittersweet. Uh, you know sad but this is the right thing to do type thing and like you said it just kind of resets itself and also i feel like a lot of wasted opportunity like how funny would it be if you actually did have pleakly teaching yeah i mm, wanted you know? I, I, that's what i was looking forward to i was looking forward to him like in front of a bunch of like sort of stock alien versions of of, of terrestrial students and like an, you know answering questions and trying to like blow their minds i wanted i wanted to see him drag his chair into the middle of the room turn it around backwards <laughs> sit on it cross his arms and say yeah. let me tell you the real story about earth <laughs> yeah do the dangerous minds thing you know although something that made me laugh out loud when he's showing his office is that he has like the the complete knowledge that has been gathered about earth and it's two books <laughs> but, yeah. like, but both books are still too big like clearly it's yeah. divided up into four volumes <laughs> it's a joke with layers is what I'm saying it, it looks like it has bad binding looks like it's bursting up the seams and I mean before everyone leaves to, to do uh, their next what they think is their next you know role in life they're given very specific gifts by Lilo that of course all have a payoff at the end I, I thought this was was forced uh, oh, we will talk about how forced. <laughs> yeah, especially towards the end. And oddly enough, even though she has all the experiments, you don't see them that much. In the beginning, you have some establishing shots of them doing random jobs around Hawaii. I guess they're slave labor or something. I don't really well, know. I but think, I yeah, think the idea is they too. found what they like to do, and so mm. they're doing it. Because like, like the, the one that makes French fries, clearly he likes making French fries. Nobody's forcing him to make French fries. He can leave that French fry stand whenever he wants. But... I actually liked that. Like, I like seeing all these weird alien critters just kind of doing a little bit of business. I kind of wish that's something I think it could have, it, there should have been more of. Like, any scene on Earth, we should have seen one of the other experiments in the background doing a thing. Yeah, and it's also like the the, the job is tailored to like what their quirk is, you know? Like, the I, I assume his power is like heat or something. Like, he's popping popcorn, and the other guys doing other guys' stuff. Like, the electric guys doing electric stuff. Um, but again, I feel like, okay, I guess that's their power or, or quirk or whatever, because they probably established that in an episode I didn't see. <laughs> so it was a little underwhelming sometimes, though. And so one of the other things when everyone goes off is that, is that Gantu is fed up with, uh, with, uh, 625, the sandwich monster, uh, <laughs> and decides he's going to go off. And this, this is something that, that I don't think even the movie understands what it's doing, because... Apparently, Doctor Hamsterveil is like still in prison or is back in prison. I'm sure he escaped and got arrested multiple times in the series. So Gantu goes off to bust him out of leaves Earth to bust him out of prison, 
And, like, there's this whole, like, opening frustration where, like, they can't get the ship to take off. So he takes the smaller ship that's in their ship. <laughs> so the, then why did you bother trying to fix the ship if you have a ship in the ship? Yeah, that was just, it felt like a weird, like, padding technique. Like, they were just kind of gunning for runtime or something. I, it just was weird. But the other weird thing is that, you know, he said, you know, this is my last chance to redeem myself. How is breaking an evil scientist out of prison going to redeem him? And redeem him in the eyes of who? In the Galactic Alliance? I'm sure the Galactic Alliance has laws against breaking people they've imprisoned out of prison. Probably, yeah. I mean, the whole stuff with Gantu, it seems forced to get that character to do something uh, kind of making him more threatening like he was in the original film. A character I largely forgot about, too. Um, I think after, because mm -hmm. he was in the first one, but he, was he in two or three? I don't think he was in two uh, or three, right? He, uh, he, he was... Briefly, but... He was yeah. in two, he was not in three. If he was in three, oh, okay. he was real quick. Yeah, so I largely forgot about him, so I kind of didn't really remember what his deal was or why we were, you know, interested in anything he was doing so much. Sure, and with the 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 hamster veal, you know, he meets up with um, Jumba and basically makes like a, a version of Stitch that's kind of pure evil, but he's red, uh, named that's Le like, named yeah. Leroy. In the movie, thinks it's a hilarious joke for some reason to laugh every time they mention the name of this alien as Leroy. This is this is what I don't understand because like I feel like the only reason people because like back in like the seventies. Leroy was your go-to name for and for for like for like like a, a dim-witted black guy uh, and so like it has it has some racist undertones from that mm, yeah. but the only reason people know Leroy today is because of Leroy Jenkins from World of Warcraft and like was this was this a deliberate oh. reference to either version of the name or is it just well Leroy is the only name we can come up with that sounds like Lilo so that's what we used. Well, also, isn't Leroy? I thought the spelling was weird because it's spelled like L E R O I. It's not. Um, it's not with a Y. Yeah, it's. Uh, it is with a Y, but isn't Leroy L E E R O I? Uh, I actually, I don't know because because I yeah. think it comes from Leroy, which is I think a I presume French, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen I... I've seen both. That also don't really see it written out in the film, as far as I know, but. Well, actually, it looks like there are multiple accepted spellings. Yeah. Of, oh, okay, um, so just a random nitpick of mine, but anyhow. And you have sort of a very sort of science fiction action sequence in which Stitch fights Leroy pretty much off the bat, or they're trying to stop a hamster veal. Yeah, and I think this is one of the this is one of the things that that is where where like the movie the movie doesn't know itself because uh, after Stitch gets. Uh, after Stitch, you know, gets command of the spaceship uh, and, you know, goes off and, and, you know, starts being a captain, his first official mission is he's told that Hamster Veal's been busted out of prison and he has to get him back. And this is what it, so, uh, of course, the, you know, the whole showdown happens in Jumba's evil laboratory, which is on this asteroid. Well, Lee, so Stitch shows up to, to stop Hamster Veal. He apparently doesn't show up with the battle cruiser. The battle cruiser mm. was nowhere to be seen, and it, like, did they drop him off <laughs> and decide to come back to get him later? It's like you you gave him a, a battleship. I want to see Stitch use right. the battleship. 
Yeah, and like he's like mooning over it the whole like first act too. So you think it's gonna have more of a payoff. And the other thing too with the, the I guess Leroy the evil Stitch um, is like it was actually kind of cool watching him fight because you didn't really see Stitch use all four of his arms a lot. So you kind of had like a little bit of like a kung fu element there, you know, because in so much of the movies he's got to look like something that could pass for a dog. So it's cool watching him use all utilize all four limbs and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like this movie has a problem with too many villains. Like you've got like Hamster Veal and the Leroy, and it's kind of like I it's it's weird. It's like overloaded, but just in a bad way. Well, the other thing, the other thing that's weird is for a movie that's sort of so steeped in the continuity of this television series, Lilo and Stitch in general, they keep forgetting the continuity. Because like I I I, I when when uh, Leroy gets made in Jumba's machine. They don't. They don't like. They, they don't charge his molecular structure, which is the whole problem in Stitch. Lilo and Stitch Two. Stitch has a glitch. Like you made such a big deal about how you have to bond the molecules of these creatures, and then they don't oh, even yeah. do it in here. To the point where I'm like, well, is that how he's going to be defeated? His molecules aren't stabilized, and he'll just burn out. But but no, they just forget that that's a necessary part of the process. <laughs> Not just that they have a cloning machine. You can make as many clones as you want with no repercussions. Much simpler than the cloning machine in Stitch the movie that required vivisection to operate. <laughs> I guess the technology evolved in the three years uh, between. <laughs> or again, you know, maybe it's on the show. Oh. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, and but you. Go on. But I do like I do like the army the army of Leroy's, and when we finally see the army of Leroy's in action. It's pr- it's pretty fun, but the original Leroy, who turns out he has camouflage abilities, he turns himself blue and takes Stitch's place in the command of the battleship, and Hamster Veal uses him to take to very easily. And I wish they showed the process take over the entire Galactic Alliance and demote the Councilwoman to his secretary. But I love how game she is. I guess this ties into aliens being sticklers for the rules. We're like, oh, I guess I'm a secretary now. And she acts very professional. Uh, excuse me, uh, Dr. Hamsterville. A Mr. Leroy to see you? <laughs> I'll send him in. It's very like, weird. It's very strange. And because um, I remember when, when Leroy and Stitch are fighting, uh, Stitch throws them into like a something or other that I think burns off his hair. And his like gimmick is that he can like, you know, like, like, you know, shake it right back, get it to poof right back up. Yeah. And then I think that's how they establish that he can go from red to blue or whatever. And, um, again, there's like a, like, I guess it's good that they establish that he can do that with that little fight scene. But, um, yeah, I I don't know. It was just very underwhelming and, and confusing and it wasn't very engaging. Um, and yeah, the weird bureaucratic stuff with, um, the ambassador being demoted and being so cool with it. Um, yeah, it's just a strange setup all around. And then there, there is one bit, and this is, this is reference to the line I said at the beginning, but there's a, a bit where, you know, uh, where <laughs> Pleakley remembers that he does have an interplanetary communicator, and he goes to, and he, you know, he calls Jumbo while Jumbo's being held hostage, and I just love that, don't you want to talk to your aunt Pleakley? I, I still have the wig, <laughs> and it, it's just like so... So sweet. I still, I do, I do find, I still find the idea of Pleakley as a gender fluid alien being very, very like endearing. Oh, although we also learned that his first name is Wendy, which I watched the episode that explains that name. Apparently in his people's language, Wendy uh, means proud warrior. Okay. (laughs) I like that. Mm. And once again, like Pleakley and Jumba are like the funnest part of the, of the movie. 
And um, yeah, the whole wig thing cracked me up. And um, their relationship is very endearing. Um, and uh, yeah, I always I, I just wanted to cut back to them throughout a lot of this. So I was like, oh, you got all the sci-fi action, bank of bam and stuff. And I was like, I wonder what those guys are doing. <laughs> like, it's great to see them doing mundane things, but uh, uh, as things go on, Pleakley takes the uh, takes the field trip van from the Galactic Community <laughs> College to visit Jumba's asteroid, and he, Jumba, and Stitch get locked in the van by Hamster Veal, who programs it to crash into a black hole. Um, and the movie can never make up its mind what a black hole is. <laughs> And and the one the one thing that I and and because you you'd think you know a black hole is bad enough, but then he's like, oh no, what's going to happen to us? And I was expecting Jumba to explain what a black hole does to you, um, but it says, oh, paper. we will we will be pulled into we will pulled into singularity and deposited on lava planets where we will be burned alive. <laughs> like okay, so stretched into molecular spaghetti and then dying with the universe, we got to soften that to burned alive on lava planet <laughs> and but but then it's like oh but you know if we disturb event horizon right before impact we can change coordinates of where we emerge which is so forced but this is where the gift that the gift that lilo gave pleakley was an earth rock because they need to disturb the surface with something that like weighs like precisely 27 grams or uh, something like yeah. that and that's and that's what the earth rock weighs although stitch has to bite a chunk off to make it exact right. and it's just so it's, that just seems it's so weird. And he throws the rock at the black hole. Energy comes out of the black hole. And then, yeah, they hit it and they just get teleported. Uh, I guess, like, back, yeah, they get teleported to Galactic Council headquarters. Yeah, it seems like... Um, oh, and also I noticed a little continuity error when uh, Pleakley is setting up his office. And that um, when that character comes in, it's like, oh, is this a real Earth rock? He's like, oh, yeah. And um, the scene where she approaches the rock, it's like on the corner of the desk. Then it cuts to the... Um, um, to the next scene, and you see the rock is like right in the middle, and then it cuts back, and you see the rock on the corner. There's Again, a minor of, nitpick, but there's a lot of little animation things like that in this that do kind of build up, uh, and and it's and it's and it's weird. Like one of the things that I find endlessly distracting is that I do like like that they give all the backgrounds that that lovely watercolor feel which is a, a visual element that goes all the way back to the first film but every now and then they make some element of the background move and it looks so disgusting and artificial the way that they make the watercolors move yeah because it's um it just it just stands out you know like when you have the you know the animation on the foreground that actually moves you know it looks visibly different from the watercolor background so you can tell it's going to move before it ever moves. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you walk into the scene. So Lilo finds out something is up because her gift to stitch was this, uh, was this, uh, this carving of, of a Hawaiian God that that's stitch promised never to take off, but which of course Leroy isn't wearing. So when she calls the spaceship from earth and the alien she sees isn't wearing it, she knows it's not really stitch. And she calls Cobra bubbles and I have mixed feelings because, like, I love Cobra Bubbles as a character. I wish they were he he was in here, and he's not. But I do like that they took the op they they at least got him to record an outgoing voicemail. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not into the office right now for reasons that are classified. <laughs> I will return at a classified time. That, that was a good that was a good joke. But I think you know throughout a lot of this film, Lilo is in such a passive role, and she doesn't have a whole lot to do. 
because everyone else is in space doing their own thing. And she's on Earth. They do a kind of a thing where she does bond with uh, 625, the sandwich one. Names him Ruben. And he, you know, I guess gets his groove back or something because he's able to repair (laughs) the spaceship. And that all all seems very, very convenient. Well, well, this is another, because, like, you know, it's established that he has all of Stitch's abilities. And Stitch was supposed to have Jumba's genius, but he just, like, kind of doesn't use it. Um, and so she inspi- she inspires Ruben to be his best. The thing about Ruben, though, because they make the whole big deal about how Lilo has to find like a purpose for all of the other experiments. But when Lilo finds him, he's figured out his purpose because he's so good at making sandwiches. He wants to turn the crashed spaceship into a spaceship themed sandwich shop. And like, yeah, he's figured it out. He has taken his own initiative and figured out what is best for his life. But then Lilo barges in and takes that away from him by inspiring him to <laughs> fix the spaceship. I mean, I like that they bond, but it's like he he already knows who he is. He doesn't need Lilo to help. Right. And they also seem kind of lazy, too. And she's like, oh, like, you're just as strong as Stitch. He's like, oh, yeah, like, well, that's convenient now. <laughs> oh, so the repair montage is kind of fun. They, you know, we see him do a lot of shtick. I love the bit where, like, he crawls behind the view screen and, like, the lights keep strobing. But every time the light strobes, we see him in a different position, kind of messing with circuits behind the screen. It's a nice little animation flourish. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that we'd get some weird, like, alien sandwiches, you know, like... Like he, like, I never thought I'd say this, but I wish we knew more about the sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do like, wow, you gave me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Nobody's given me a sandwich before. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, like alien pate or something like that. Um, yeah, it was, it was it almost, I got this feeling that like there was a bunch, there was a bunch of like unfilmed like ideas and scripts for the show that they just didn't use. So they just kind of like smushed them together into this movie. I wonder, and actually, speak, speaking of which, there, there's even a there's even another reference to the show where, like, when they're trying to name Leroy, like, I know, we'll call him Experiment, we'll call him Experiment Six Two Seven. Actually, you already made Experiment Six Two Seven, which isn't which is an episode of the show. Oh yeah, uh, which I had, which that I have my problems with, but that's another story altogether. Never mind. <laughs> we'll talk about this at the ending because it ties into the ending. But you know, they 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 go to the galactic they go to the galactic capital to. to, to Everybody. Then Hamsterwheel comes to Earth, rounds up all the uh, the only threat to Hamsterwheel is the are the other experiments. So they round up all the experiments in a uh, in an arena, and the army of Leroy's is going to fight them. And this is when we get some awesome mayhem, and also a cameo from Bobcat Goldweight is the experiment <laughs> nosy, who yeah, brings everyone up to speed him. on the plot of the movie. <laughs> I, yeah, I was I wondering love... if that was him, or they just got someone that sounded like him. No, no, it is him. I checked. Yeah, it is Bob. That's awesome. And I love, I love his. Uh, I just, I just, lo- I love him giving exposition. I kind of want him to just g- deliver all forms of exposition. Like, can 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 he just read the opening text crawl from Star Wars? It is a period of civil war. <laughs> like that would be great. Well, and Bobcat has some history with Disney. He voiced one of the two monsters that's uh, in Hercules. That's uh, Pain. Yeah, that's one of Hades' uh, sidekicks in that show. But yeah, I mean, so you have this this uh, climax where all the monsters have been kidnapped, and they all got to fight all all the clones of Leroy. And I wish we would have seen more powers of all the different. Like they say, it's six hundred and uh, what six hundred twenty six of them all together, but it only feels like a few dozen. 
Well, they keep cutting back to, like, there's, like, five that have obvious combat capabilities, and those are the ones they keep cutting back to. We rarely see any of the ones that don't have obvious combat powers. Like, like the little, like, powder puff one that makes the Leroy's into babies. I think that's the only one that doesn't have direct fighting abilities that we actually see used. Yeah, and um, it did seem like a kind of like a gallery. Again, totally not like Pokemon. Um a gallery of different, um, you know, aliens and stuff like that. And it, it was like, you know, one's like shaped like a hammer. So I'm assuming he's like a hammerhead thing. And um, if you're not going to go into like what their different little powers are, then like, I don't know, maybe make them silly or something. Um, but yeah, it would have been cooler to see more of their different contrasting abilities and stuff like that. And then, and then this is this is when another thing pays off because when because uh, Jamba's gift he was given a copy of uh, Aloha Oi on vinyl uh, and oh no it was not it was not no it was it was like Aloha Oi on one side and like Elv and uh, sad Elvis song uh, on the other and he he played it when he was making Leroy. So at the last minute he reveals, Oh yeah, because I played that record, it's encoded in Leroy's DNA. If he hears that song, he'll, his, he'll just shut down. And I, I'm, I, I both liked and hated this. Cause like they do a, th that's how they defeat Leroy is that since they're in a stadium, they, they set up the stage and they have a musical number where they play a rock and roll version of Aloha Hoy. And that makes all the Leroy shut down. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting gimmick. It's like the Martha thing from Batman v Superman, almost. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, but it yeah, does it was, work. But it also kind of renders the battle we've seen up to that point completely irrelevant. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. It is kind of cute seeing some of the monsters play different instruments as you get kind of that reveal at the end with the the big stage, but. It, yeah, it, it kind of takes the wind out of the sails of this conflict at the end. What I love here on this Wikipedia summary is it mentions in the credits they uh, play Jailhouse Rock, and you see a sort of like Brady Bunch-style screen that keeps zooming out and out and out, showing all the clones dancing. And it says, and Leroy's clones, who have recovered from their seizures, are dancing to the song Jailhouse Rock. It's like, we don't know what the chronology is of that end credit dance sequence. <laughs> well, no, because Hamsterville gets arrested, uh, and the Galactic Alliance, I guess, scoops up the Leroy's. So presumably, that's long. That's that's long after the events of this movie. And this is where, I, and this is where, I have a huge problem with this movie, okay. because you know, a whole a whole big theme of these movies, and a, a huge theme of the series is that it's all about you know finding your home, finding your family, finding that place where you belong, and being a good being a good person. Well, apparently the Leroy's are completely irredeemable, and and, and are just thrown in prison. And I, I, hate, I, I really don't like that. Like, I feel like, I, I feel like there should have been a moment where Lilo, who has been able to help all these other monsters, I really feel like she should have helped the Leroy's in some way. Like, she should have made them good. But no, apparently evil is genetic, and they can't be cured of it, and they're just going to be monsters until the day they die. So they're just going to have to be locked up in prison until then. And who knows how long they're going to live. In this quarter on the Greenlit Podcast Network, Chris Sims and Matt Wilson. And in this quarter, VHS oddities, confusing animation, and modern not-so-classics. Plus snacks, movie fighters. We watch movies and beat them up.
The award-winning Go Nintendo podcast covers the latest Nintendo news while also diving into what's hot in pop culture, music trivia, hands-on impressions, and so much more. Hopefully we can make you laugh, too. You'll find new episodes of the Go Nintendo podcast on the Greenlit Podcast Network every single week. Right, and that is kind of like Sci-Fi 101 that, like, in other, you know, like, in other, uh, like, outer-worldly societies and utopias and stuff like that, there's always, like, a non, uh, like, you know, a non-disciplinary way to, like, make you know, derelict beings, uh, you know, you're useful or discover their purpose and stuff like that. So it didn't seem out that they're just going to like, you know, cast them away forever. Um, it would have been a good like lesson, like you said, to have Lilo be like, oh, you can play the drums or, you know, make pizza dough or whatever. Yeah, let, let them be their own band. Like there must be something nice or at least yeah. useful they, they want to do. And, and this also ties into Experiment 627 because that's the point of Experiment 627. He's an experiment made with Earth technology that has all that has Stitch's abilities, the abilities of the most powerful 20 other experiments. And he's also evil and can't be turned good. And that's how the episode ends. They can't turn him good, so they just hydra- dehydrate him and turn him into a little sphere and lock him up. And that's kind of fucked up. Yep. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's weird. And 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 that's and that's what just that that's what really bothers me. Like I I feel like the Leroy's should have a chance at a good life, and and they don't. The movie just decides that they're irredeemably evil, and we're just going to watch them suffer. Well, yeah, and they could the... be like a. Sorry. Go on. Uh, yeah, they could be like a tumbling team. You know, they all have like four arms and stuff like that, like a Chinese or, acrobat or, or something. Or like make them the crew, like and like make them the crew of the new battleship. Let let Stitch keep command of the battleship, but make the Leroy's his loyal crew who are unafraid to throw themselves at any danger. Like that would be exactly. perfect. But no, yeah. everyone decides to move back in with uh, with Lilo and Nani, who, by the way, uh, her boyfriend David is nowhere to be seen in this movie. I can only presume he died off camera. Yeah, I think he like <clears throat> I think he, like you just see him in like the end picture. I think like on the I think they're standing on the stairway to the porch or something. Um, but yeah, now there is no David. Oh, there's barely any Nani or <laughs> I feel like Lilo. They're like well, Nani's only there to tut know. tut and then then leave the scene. Yeah, and that was another thing, too, when they're like, that was very aloha of you, or whatever it was, to let them go. And, like, um, they don't really, like, you know, they don't really, like, elaborate on that very much. Like, what, are they, what did she say? She's like, it's very uh, simpatico, their, whatever their word is for that. And it just was kind of, I just was lazy and didn't really feel anything. It, it undercuts the whole message of, of the film that, it's like you said earlier, Thrasher, this should be about letting go, but it's not. Out of all the characters that say, I want to go back and to live in Hawaii, the only one I can sort of buy it from, I think, is Stitch, because he's had such a big relationship with Lilo, and and he has that, the, the necklace she gives him, I think, is a nice visual flair for that character with that statue, and he, you know, hasn't had a very good life, really. He's been yeah. in a cage and experimented on and all these things and he just wants to chill out in hawaii and like, like that makes sense that's you know deserved i think but everyone else it's like why even pleakley couldn't he just say i want to be demoted to the role of professor or like or, or like he wants to do an expo an expedition to earth to you know write an academic paper which he's certainly well suited to and that's two things that sort of stick in my craw is that one when this is all over gantu does help them 
uh, does help them defeat Hamster Veal. And Gantu immediately is pardoned for all of his crimes and gets his old job back as captain and is immediately put in control of the battleship for some right. reason. Despite yeah. committing like two seasons and three movies worth of crimes. Um, but then the other thing, this movie can't make up its mind about whether or not people know there are aliens on Hawaii. Because like Lilo's, like the circle of other girls, Lilo's peers... They seem to not know that they're surrounded by aliens at all times and are even weirded out when their obvious alien dog starts talking to them. Yeah, and meanwhile you've got like aliens like popping corn and, and you know, juggling torches and stuff all over the island. Yeah, I believe and... we saw one of them buy french fries from the french fry alien at one point. Yeah, exactly, yeah. They're making oh. french fries and popcorn and all this other stuff. And yet Although it's a... we also learned that a lot of stuff has happened to Myrtle. Her dad's disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was that? that was I, I didn't know too. you had a dad. Shut up. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and it was. I, I, I want to see that. I want to see that movie. Right. Like, so, so, do you think it was Myrtle an affair? House. Do you think he's dead? Do you think he like embezzled money from the car dealership and then vanished? <laughs> I think he uh, he was wrongfully accused of killing a man and had to flee. The island <laughs> and go to the mainland. Yeah, uh, it was an alien. I tell you, sure it was. Pack it away. And as you said, with, with people not noticing, there's aliens in Hawaii, in, in Kauai. It's just it's stupid because you see them like making the popcorn and stuff. It's not like the alien is hidden inside the popcorn machine no. and making it work extra fast, right? Or he's wearing right. a mask like or something, well serving ice cream. Like... Or like the, the, these dudes are just like on there on the beach, letting it all all their tentacles hang out or whatever. And and I do like right. some of the, I like some of the designs of these aliens. They don't just look like Stitch in a different color. Like they could have gone yeah. really lazy with that and some, uh, you know, a lot of different colors and, and shapes. And but there's the one that speaks really fast. And I mean, you don't really know a lot of these characters. But that you see, yeah. uh, I, I would have liked to see more of them in here. But that we see them is good. But uh, but still, it's just uh, I don't know. That's funny too. Like. Was it? I first I was like, maybe it's a thing where like only children can see them, but they establish in the first movie that mm. everyone can see and understand what's going on, you know. So yeah. there's not that either. The only character's resolution in this movie that I honestly like, uh, with no uh, with no irony or, re or reservation, is that Ruben, the sandwich monster, when Gantu becomes captain of the big red battleship, he commissions Ruben as his, as he says, galley officer, but that's not the correct term. The correct term on a, on a ship is mess officer. Uh, and so, yeah, like, he, he gets a job where he just gets to make sandwiches. The job he was trying to do before Lilo showed up. And he says, now he says, I'm grown fond of your egg salad sandwiches. Where at the beginning, he pisses Ruben off by saying, like, your sandwich has too much dill and too much mustard what, or whatever. Right, not, yeah. not enough mayonnaise and too much dill weed, to which Ruben says, hey, why did you call me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is fun. Yeah. Fun that fake fun. swear. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that they didn't do a, a cookbook of, like, uh, Lilo and Stitch presents Ruben's sandwiches or whatever. Doesn't. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a missed opportunity. But, uh, yeah, it's... It, this whole film... I, it's okay, you know, you could watch this, I think, after Stitch the movie and not really miss anything for the series, from what I could tell, except, you know, all the aliens and what they do, all the extra creatures and what they do. But it, Hamster Veal, I didn't really like as a villain. Leroy, oh, I think... Oh, yeah, he sucks. Yeah, he I sucks. I don't like the character design. He's annoying. He's not intimidating. 
and he can't really do a whole lot. So, like, I never really felt like he was a good heavy or villain or whatever. And, like, the, the character design I thought was dumb, too. With, like, he gets, like, the H. I mean, like, oh, I get it. You know, like, it's very <laughs> not Kate, clever. everyone wear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was like, this is stupid. Yeah, well, I, looks I like you, like you sent a link here, Thrasher. My internet's a bit slow this morning. Can you yeah, tell me what's on it? This is a blog it? called Disney Meals. I don't know if it's oh, a bit affiliated with, with Disney at all, but they have two Lilo and Stitch recipes uh, from Lilo and Stitch Week, uh, which uh, they have loco, moco, pineapple, shrimp, berry smoothie. Uh, oh, and a Hawaiian and a Black Forest cake, which is German and not Hawaiian. I mean, the Black Forest is in Germany. Um, yes. And then day two of Lilo and Stitch week is Hawaiian hamburgers, mashed sweet potatoes, pink snow cones, and other tropical drinks. I mean, I've I've been to Hawaii, as I've mentioned. I, we even have this delightfully weird kind of like church cookbook we bought when we were there. So you get all those weird local recipes. But Loco Moco is a dish that's basically Salisbury steak on top of two scoops of rice. Hmm. It's not It's not a smoothie. It's not... <laughs> Loco Moco is kind of like this uh, dish, I presume they serve like army people or something because it's just sort of so like generic. But It, it fits that shit on a shingle thing. It, it, a really, it really does. Like, like it has an egg sometimes, and but it's just like it two... Has. Usually just meat gravy rice type thing. Meat, meat gravy rice with maybe an egg on it. Yeah, I mean nothing, nothing yeah. terribly exciting. But oh no, but... this is this is actually kind of cool. I'm just I'm just looking through the blog. So it, it is it is an independent blog. It is not affiliated with Disney. But something I like is that on these entries, they they do try to recreate uh, food items that that are seen or referenced in the movies. But then it also just has a list of foods that you can see in the movie. Hmm. Oh, cool. Well, that's that something. And they, they do have a lot of food in these pictures. So, and, and one thing I like for Lilo and Stitch, one of the food items is weird green polka dot drumstick, which we see <laughs> in this movie too. Yep. Leroy eats it in one scene. You do, <laughs> and it's. Uh, it made me wonder what that was. That an alien meat? Was that a special? Was that a green curry? Maybe what? What made a polka dot? Was it mold on it on the chicken? Is that what made it? <laughs> yeah. it? I don't know, but yeah, I Leroy and Stitch. I would say sequel. No, it's not awful. It's just lazy in a lot of respects and it doesn't if you're going to be the finale for something just really go for it like this just seems like the easy way out in a lot of circumstances um although you know you did have a surprising amount of elvis music in this film still that sort of surprised yeah. me yeah especially a lot of licensed elvis music I, I say, the, first yeah, the first movie and, and this one has the song i'm so lonely i could cry doesn't it yes yeah, yeah. and it's and it's the deep cuts. It's like live versions, and like it's not the yeah, stuff yeah. you'd get on a best of album, which I really appreciate. And I like that they keep the bit from the concert where Elvis goes, "This song is a this is the saddest song I ever heard." And you see, like, it cuts to a bunch of all these characters crying, and it's like that's kind of what this movie should have been, I think. Yeah, is about that. Letting more character moments, and I mean, this the whole alien stuff. It doesn't have to have explosions or actions. You you know the Lilo and Stitch two had you know kind of a better story and but this one it's i just didn't really like it oh good you found a scene all right yeah so i would say sequel no uh alex uh yeah no sequel no it's like you said it's you know it's a it's lightweight and fairly harmless it's um you know there's nothing it's just underwhelming and um doesn't really tap into the potential that was established by the previous previous films you could have really gone for 
I mean, like what made the original one so the first film so good was that there was a lot of emotional stakes stakes going on, and instead it just kind of it, like you said when it's playing the "I'm so lonely I could cry" montage. Like it should be more of that. It should be more of characters, you know, uh, you know, growing and learning, and being more developed. But instead, it's just kind of a bunch of sci-fi tropes and weird side characters coming into the fore. So, yeah, kind of all squandered squandered opportunity, you'll say. I'm I'm going to be the sore thumb here. I'm giving this a very marginal sequel, yes. While this isn't a good film, it did have some bits I appreciate. Uh, like, a- any screen time Pleakley and Jumba can get, I, I really value. Uh, I like I like hearing Tia Carrera's voice, uh, even though she is woefully underutilized in this film. There is so much potential here. I want to see one more movie, only because I want I, I would be willing to give them one more chance to give this series the the glorious resolution it deserves. It does not have to be as good as the first film, but it deserves a real capper of an ending that is better than what it got. Mm, yeah, yeah, like... Uh, That's fair. There is a good film in there. It's just... There's just I feel like there's just too many moments where it's like the conversation we've just had. We could have written a more potent script, and I feel like that was kind of the case of the with the last film too. Um, and I that's for me that's a qualifier of a flawed film. You know, when you have just three random dudes yakking about a movie, and what we're the movie we're talking about <laughs> is stronger than the than the movie we saw. <laughs> sure. Uh, all right. So let's do pitch a sequel. We've done so many of these with all these Lilo and Lilo and Stitch things. I think mine would be um, a stitch in time is what it would be called. And, and stitch uh, is in Hawaii. He's kind of digging around the, uh, the, the workshop of, of Jumba and accidentally pushes buttons in the right sequence that, that causes a, a time portal to open up. And he gets put into the time uh, on earth of the dinosaurs and you have cavemen because it's a cartoon. And you have cavemen at the time of the dinosaurs, and uh, they think Stitch is a dinosaur, and Stitch is is all by himself, and he has to figure out. I, I guess you kind of cut back and forth between Jumba and Lilo and Pleakley, trying to build a machine or figure out some way for for Stitch to come back home. Otherwise, he'll be stranded in this prehistoric time. But I think you you could do some fun kind of a dinosaur action. You can maybe do some almost silent film comedy where the cavemen don't speak, but Lilo is making, or Stitch is making his little noises and they're trying to figure things out. Um, and I think I think you'd also play on something when Stitch goes to the cavemen. The cavemen have these drawings about something about a prophecy with the cave drawings, and it has a drawing of a figure that happens to look just like Stitch. <laughs> and um, it would be called... A stitch in time, and I think the the cover would be Stitch inside a gigantic pineapple with his head poking out, and maybe there'd be like little dinosaur friends in the pineapple with them. <laughs> I like the title. Thanks, uh, Thrasher. So I want to do um, I want to do uh, Lilo and Myrtle. So oh. in this movie, so the sort of is, I really feel like there's, there's just a lot of unresolved tension between Lilo and Myrtle. So what's uh, so what's going to happen is Lilo and Myrtle, um, they're doing, there's like sort of a, a Hawaiian Girl Scout sort of camping trip that they're all on. And 
Lilo and Myrtle get sort of increasingly competitive and their rivalry really boils over to the point where they both wreck the camping trip. Uh, and as they both go sulking off into the sulking off into the woods, they uh, get abducted by aliens. Turns out some aliens were coming to Earth to try to uh, scoop up some of the experiments to harvest genetic material. They get Myrtle and Lilo instead, and Myrtle, Myrtle and Lilo learn that they have to work together to escape this crazy predicament. Now, of course, Jamba, Pleakley, uh, and Stitch will try to rescue them, and they will get Gantu involved. I kind of want to see Gantu, even though he doesn't deserve it, I kind of want to see Gantu as the dashing space captain, and I think it would be fun to see them trying to work together. Um, trying to, you know, capture these gene pirates and rescue these two kids. But I want to go for an unconventional ending, because in a lesser film, Myrtle and Lilo would end the movie the best of friends. And I don't believe that, because I think they have irreconcilable differences. However, they can both end this movie understanding and respecting each other. So when they get back to Earth, they're not going to be friends but they respect each other enough that they're not going to be breaking out into fist fights and ruining things for other people anymore. And that's, and that's really going to be the lesson. You don't have to be friends with everybody. You just have to be able to offer each other respect. Sure. Mm. sure. Oh, great. So let's oh, and Ruben that. will get a musical number where he sings about all the food you can get in his gallery. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Alex? Okay, so <clears throat> uh, my pitch of sequel is going to be um, the uh, Galactic Federation uh, and um, the uh, island with all of the crazy weird monsters get taken hostage by a derelict space pirates. And in tandem with Myrtle's dad, who turns out in the Mafia, um, returns to the island, and what they do is that they start a ring of, of um, illegal, uh, use all the aliens for battling, so they they, gam- they run gambling outfit on these um, alien battles, and they also use the other guys to make uh, bootleg Disney merchandise, and in this kind of uh, Escape from New York-esque, um, uh, you know, alien battle dystopia, um, what you have is that... Uh, then it's also thwarted by Pleakley and Jumba because they're off site and they, you know, Pleakley's, you know, teaching again and Jumba's off in his evil laboratory and they see what's going on. So Jumba then designs another batch of of genetic mutations to combat the the, the space pirates and organized mafia of Myrtle's dad <laughs> to, to reestablish the, the ocean paradise that was the uh, titular island. And it's going to be called um, Escape from Hawaii the Lilo files. Hmm. So, oh, you do you have a new experiment whose name is snake and looks like snake Pliskin, but it's also a <laughs> yes, snake body. Exactly. <laughs> oh, so this is something I noticed. This is a real missed opportunity. So Gigi, the alien dog that is one of the experiments and is also Myrtle's pet. It's experiment number zero, zero seven. How do you have an experiment oh. with that serial number and not make it kind of a winky bond parody? Right. I mean, that's like, come on. It's written on the wall. It's like written out for you. Oh, that's one thing that was kind of fun in this movie is that um, dur- while the closing credits roll to the left side of the screen, they run a list of every experiment uh, except six two seven. They always forget six two seven, but you get their serial number and their names, and some of the names are just silly and fun to read. Yeah, and it's like cool. and, and like, like it's everything from like slimes or Blondzilla and Slimezor to. Jeffrey, like every now and then, it's just a real <laughs> mundane name. That's awesome. 
And like, um, I guess one quick thing I wanted to touch on too. Like Matt earlier, you said that like the one character who should return is Stitch because you know he's hasn't had it great and he's got a true bond with with Lilo, mm. and that makes sense. And then you know at the end of the movie, you see like what they call it, like like the cousins or whatever, and they got the picture of just this whole cacophony of of you know aliens and shit like that. And it's like you know the reason why Stitch should also return is that we established before that it'll work, you know what I mean? Is that, like, Stitch and Lilo will work, ergo the whole thing. Um, so then, like, what you would have after this whole, you know, onslaught of, of, of alien guys is just kind of, it's madness, you know, they couldn't do it. It would be crazy. Right. That's a good point. Um, so now we're going on to what you're watching. I watched, I've been in a little bit of a Puppet Master kick. I've been watching the, I watched the first uh, Puppet Master movie, came out in 89, and um, it's surprising, and maybe it's like this in the other films, but in this first one, the puppets are really not in it that much. Well, they're special effects, so you gotta you gotta limit their use. <laughs> True, and in this one, they they use this trope over and over again that drives me crazy. That you you see the camera from the puppet's point of view as he's running around, which is okay, but then you also hear like the puppet breathing and making little noises. Oh, it's one. Oh, that phenomenon we've talked about where the critter has to constantly make noise, so you're reminded you're looking at a critter. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you know, you think they would have some fun with it at one point, uh, in particular, a a puppet has to kind of go through a a dinner party scenario and you think, oh, is he going to look up someone's dress or is he going to do something weird and pervy or whatever? And he doesn't. He just kind of like hops over a suitcase and keeps on moving. It's kind of, but I mean, the the surprising thing is I didn't realize, um, Two actors I recognized would be in this. You have Paul Lamatt, who we discussed way back in American Graffiti, uh, who looks, you know, heavier and different, but still has kind of the longer hair. And then you have William Hickey, plays Andre Toulon, the first of many actors. So it's, um, I think Leech Woman might have been my favorite puppet. And, and the end of the film, how the puppets kind of come together, uh, is, is, is a good moment. Oh, yeah. Do you have a favorite puppet from these films? I, as far as like the look goes, I think it's Blade, the one that has that kind mm, of pale yeah. face and has like the knife. But as far as like, I think overall it's six shooter because he's so on the nose. He's just a cowboy puppet with six arms. Each one has a different gun. Also, Torch is a good one. The flamethrower. The drill Sergeant's fun. I don't think I've seen him yet. Oh, yeah, the one with the, the drill in his head. Yeah, maybe he shows up in a later movie. They change the puppets out every now and then. And they change some of the designs, too. It's uh, And they have a gazillion different actors playing Andre to- playing Toulon. So uh, what, what kind of kills me is at one point they had a trilogy in development called Puppet Wars, and Christopher Lee was going to play Toulon. Mm. But oh. that never happened. Because uh, Full Moon Features lost their funding from Universal Pictures. Gave them the money to do a lot of their bigger budget stuff early on. That's neither here nor there. Uh, Alex, what have you been watching? Um, <clears throat> so in uh, in lieu of this crisis, there's been a lot of um, like a lot of boutique Blu-ray distributors have been having sales like Criterion, Arrow, um, Kino, and all that stuff. However, I found uh, this uh, website that exports a lot of Hong Kong movies, and you know what? I've been waiting for a bunch of stuff to come in the mail. This baby, Cops and Robbers, by Alex mm-hmm. Chung, was like one of the most important movies of the Hong Kong New Wave. This came to me in like 
seven, eight days from, from Hong Kong. That's like unprecedented COVID or no COVID. And this is a hugely important movie to the Hong Kong new wave. It's Alex Chung's Cops and Robbers. Um, really cool, gritty um, cop movie, you know, good guys, bad guys, simple stuff. But, uh, you know, when you have a lot of like new wave movements, like, you know, the French new wave, you get like the 400 blows and Jean-Luc Godard stuff. And with the German new wave, you get like these gritty, neo you know, realistic movies. And then with the Hong Kong new wave, you get like gritty cop movies. But And then you get like Choi Hark's, you know, early movies like We Are Going to Eat You. And then you get like Anne Hoy's movies like The Secret. So I've been watching a lot of Hong Kong new wave stuff because it's one of the cooler new waves out there. And do you need a special player to play those? Or are they all region? Uh, this one's region B, I think. So yeah, I had to break out the region free Blu-ray player, which has gotten a lot of mileage lately. But yeah, it's um, moviemoviehk.com is where you can get all these cool um, Hong Kong Blu-rays if that's your bag. And they don't kill you for in the shipping? No, actually, that's pretty pretty modest. Yeah, great, uh, Thrasher. All right, so I uh, saw Birds of Prey or the Emancipation of One Miss Harley Quinn. I saw that recently too. What do you think? I really enjoyed that. I think I think what what saves it is that one Mar- Margot Robbie's when Margot Robbie's allowed to do her own thing as Harley Quinn, she does a very good job. She really makes the character her own. It feels like a natural extension of the character that we've seen all throughout the Batman franchise since she first debuted in the animated series in the early '90s. But the other thing I love, I love that it's just small stakes. Like yeah. the world isn't, a, they're not trying to save the world. They're not even trying to save Gotham. They're trying to look, <laughs> characters are trying to look out for themselves. Uh, yeah. And so everything just has like a, a nice flow. And I love that, I love that like the, the, the Gotham that they're in can kind of be whatever it needs to be. And so like sometimes there's like, oh, it's kind of a Schumacher Gotham. And other times, oh, it's kind of a Nolan Gotham. Like it, it very slyly plays tribute to sort of other extensions of the Batman mythos that have been on, uh, that have been on film. Hey, but you know what else I like? No Batman. Like the name is, yeah. I think dropped twice and then that's it. Well, and for that matter, no Joker, I think is, it's important to the story. I mean, you get a kind of, I wouldn't say animated, but kind of like this storyboarded kind of prologue with the picture illustrated prologue. Oh, about that, the breakup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that kind of catches the audience up that you don't know. But I think part of the reason this movie didn't do so well is that it, the uh, the title was Birds of Prey initially, and I don't think people really knew what that was. Also, like only yeah, two I of the Birds both. of Prey are in it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I, yeah, I... Oh, sorry. You go. A, a surprise for me in the film is Rosie Perez is pretty good. She as, is as the cop. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like I, I I love Rosie Perez whenever whenever I see her. Uh, I also love the Rosie Perez robot whenever I see the Rosie Perez robot. <laughs> um, and like like it it just remind it just reminds you why isn't she in everything? She's wonderful. And and the other thing is because I remember because I didn't see I didn't see this till like like long after everyone else had already had their reactions to it. But I love the I love the bit with the egg sandwich, and and it's mm. like that that is very true and very universal. I have been coming out of a a bad relationship and hungover, and that sandwich or something like it is exactly what you need. And this movie oh, perfectly captures everything. that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it too. I thought Birds of Prey was a great watch. 
like going going forward, I feel like this is the way the DC movie should go. Just take take a character who isn't often the center of attention and just do something interesting with them. Yeah, it, definitely. And also, it's, it's like with Joker and Batman, it's just been done to death the past decade. <laughs> I would go so far as to say the past what eighty years. Well, yeah. Well, no, I'm sorry, some, past like seventy years. It's not quite that long. It's been it's been quite a while, and um. Well, you see the news that what the the new streaming channel HBO Max in 2021 is getting the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, and they're going to be spending like 30 million dollars to you know do record ADR and do new effects because I'm sure a lot of the effects weren't finished by the time Zack Snyder was a uh, uh, stepped away from the project for uh, personal reasons. Uh, but I, I have mixed feelings about about this turn of events. <laughs> Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I, the, the thing I read online, I sort of agreed with the most, is like this. It's like you're kind of given the, the, the loudest, shriekiest losers like their day, and you're trying to send, yeah, you're sending the precedence that if I complain enough, I'm going to get what I want. Right. Well, here's and the like, are they going to get what they want? No. No, they're going to bitch about something. They're going to be, Zack Snyder posted this picture on their Instagram, and that wasn't in the movie, and it should have been in the movie. I don't yeah. know. It's, oh, I mean, and like, to be, go on. I'm sorry, yeah, so the whole thing, too, is like my contention with this is that, like, while I think Zack Snyder has some strengths, I, I just don't think he's, like, the greatest filmmaker in the world. So when you're crying and clamoring for the Snyder cut that's going to make your dreams come true, and all you're going to get, you're going to, what you're going to get is that, like, you're just going to get a longer, more, you're just going to get more Zack Snyder. And that's not going to make it, like, it's not a qualifier. It's not going to make these movies, like, great. It's just going to be more of them when there's already too much of them to begin with. Aren't these movies clocking in on average, like, two and a half hours of this? So you could make a decent movie for the money that's being sunk into, into letting Zack Snyder revamp this film. How can this possibly make money for HBO Max? It, it's the publicity. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess the notoriety is useful, but like, I, like, I, I, how, like, how many people are subscribed to it? How much does a subscription cost? Can we crunch the numbers to see like how long, like, how long will it take for them to get this money back? I mean, presumably it will show up on DVD and Blu-ray at some point, but sure. like, I, I don't understand how this is going to make money. I feel like the money's being being thrown in a pit. I like be, better that mm. everyone involved should just move on to their next film, and that's that's Zack Snyder included. Well, the thing that surprised me, really, is uh, oh, on one of the many podcasts Kevin Smith does, he, he said he talked to a guy that basically did storyboards or something, and he gave the rundown. I mean, Zack Snyder's Justice League was supposed to be the first of a trilogy. That would have been much different. Sure. So what? You're going to get this like special version of a movie that ends on a cliffhanger that is never going to be satisfied. Well, that's true. Are they going to maintain the cliffhanger, or are they going to try yeah. to condense those other two movies into the end of this? But I mean, I mean, that's the, I. I would rather them just have done this as a comic book or something. Like, just yeah. Why not? If you're going to do it, because yeah, but, yeah, but this is basically just going to be a glorified director's cut. And like, if you watch a director's cut of a movie that you enjoy, like you know, if you watch the direct Oliver Stone director's cut of, of JFK, it's just more JFK. It's like the court scenes are longer, the investigations are longer. So these immaculate Snyder cuts are, again, just going to be more of a plot flaw in the end. I just don't, you know, there aren't any questions that need to get answered for these things. It's so silly to me. It's strange because, like, I guess in principle, 
a a director being able to to go back and sort of try to finish a movie that they weren't able to finish the first time that 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 kind of thing doesn't happen often and like in principle i'm in support of that but on the other hand like i don't think it's going to make i don't think it's going to make the the movie any better i'm not sure it's going to satisfy i'm not sure it's going to satisfy anybody i have no reason I guess, like beyond that, you know, I, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if his original vision is going to be any good, and if his vision has changed, I'm not sure that's going to like make the new stuff match up with the old stuff in a satisfying way. Like, like I guess the best I can say is I will give it the I will give it the chance to fail. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Okay, so let's let's do our sequel scene and wrap up here. Um, you posted this in the chat. It looks like a scene between Gantu and Jacques Vaughn Hamsterville. Yes. Um, which character do you want to do, Thrasher? There's only two characters here, so did I, did I do Hamsterville the last time? I think you might have. Uh, I'll do I'll do Gantu then. I'll do Gantu. Um, let's see, Alex, do you want to do Hamsterville? Well, is Alex's yeah, audio problem fixed? Uh, say something, Alex. Hey, uh, I can do yeah. Hamsterville. Oh, yeah, hey, that sounds, oh, good, that sounds good. better. Problem resolved. Okay, okay, just to Skype cool. Gremlins. Um, okay, so uh, it is, you know, the scene is at the stage. It's uh, Dr. Hamsterville and Gantu are having some banter about rhetorical questions. And so. this is his Galactic Alliance headquarters shortly after Hamsterville has taken over. Yep. So here you go. All right. I think that went very well, don't you? Actually, I think... I did not ask you what you think. But you did. That was a rhetorical question. Don't you know what a rhetorical question is? Oh, yes. I believe that it's... That was a rhetorical question, too. <laughs> I did like that bit of back and forth. That was one of the recurring bits that did seem to work in this movie. Although, at this point, I still don't understand why Jumpa <laughs> wants to work with Hamsterville. Yeah, it's such a weird pairing. It just... Yeah. I, I chalked so many loose ends up to the... I, I, I told myself it must be a show thing so many times watching this. Oh, hey, so fun bit of trivia that I discovered is that in the final in the battle scene in the stadium, turns out Timon and Pumbaa are running around in the background. Oh, cool. Oh, I wish I would have seen that. That's a neat uh, <laughs> thing to point out. Okay, so you can uh, follow me on Twitter at M-A-T-W-B-T. You can follow me on Twitter at Internet Mayor. You can follow me on Twitter at CrabNebula1914. So for sequel cast two, uh, this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. And this is Alex. Saying, I'm playing folk music to annoy creature. Make it the more even. It's too blue to fly.